0: The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church, or for more resources, visit us at StoneOakBible.com. Before we we get into the text, though, Real quick, I do have a few housekeeping things just to make us aware of. Um, we finished, after th- almost three years, we finished Romans last week. We don't even know what we're doing now. I mean, it's crazy. It's over. Um, and uh, this morning is Pentecost Sunday. We'll talk more about that, obviously, as the morning goes. Uh, but next Sunday, uh, we have a, a rhythm here as a church that I love And it's that every summer we spend um, several weeks in the Psalms. I love this rhythm. And uh, I'm excited that next week we start back in. We're going to start with uh, Psalm 4. And so I want to welcome you to to join us for that. Um, I love our summer in the Psalms. And uh, one more thing before I shift from that is if you've been here with us in any of our summers you know that along with preaching the psalms, we also release kind of, uh, I guess you could say devotionals for each of the psalms we preach. And uh, the way this works is that uh, next Sunday, I'm going to start with Psalm 4. Cannot wait. But we have put a uh, what we call a Lectio Divina guide online already now that basically divides the psalm that we're going to be preaching the following week into little bite-sized chunks for each day. Here's the thing I want us to hear about the Psalms. They are um, the church's prayers and songs and heart's cries. And what I mean by that is if we were just to spend our time in Psalms and like parse all the words and get real down deep into the dirty, nitty-gritty of geography and all those things, not bad, uh, we would miss the heart of the Psalms, which are they are meant to be prayed. They are meant to be sung. They are meant to be set in. And that's why I love this practice. Because here's what we're going to do. Each day, if you'd like to join us, we have a guide that is going to, um, meant to put this up here, is going to walk us through each day um, a a chunk of the psalm that we're going to be preaching in the weekend to come. And it's just going to have some questions to prompt. And the whole design of this is so that you would slow down, Read the psalm and pray the psalm. That's it. Like it's about as simple of a, of a study guide as I could possibly make. And I want to invite you to join me in this practice. You can go to slash stillness and you'll see the guides for every psalm that we've preached the last couple years. Um, but the newest one will always be at the top. And so you can go and you can find your guide. It's a great, if you've never done this with us, I. I Pray that you will join us in this. All right, so that's coming next week. But this morning, church, this morning is a special morning. It is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. So I don't know what your church background is. If you grew up in a church or at all, or if you grew up in a church that did anything or said anything about Pentecost Sunday, I did not. I did not. So if you're anything like me, you come in without a lot of background for this, um, but Pentecost Sunday has been a a on the church calendar through centuries and centuries and centuries, and what we're going to see this morning for good reason. It's been celebrated by the church, so Pentecost Sunday is 50 days or seven weeks weeks roughly after um, Passover, after Easter. And um, it's a time of celebration, it's a time of worship, and uh, we're going to be jumping around a little bit this morning, but my anchor text is going to be in Acts 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can start finding your place with me in Acts, in Acts 2. Um, but before we get to this text, I do think it's a little, it, 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 it's important to give some context, okay, some context for this. Um, to even ask the question, what on earth is Pentecost, and where did it come from? If you are anything like me, and you did not grow up with this, you might be tempted to think, well, Pentecost, it started in Acts 2 with the text that we're going to be looking at today in this room, and, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at all of this. Um, you might be tempted to think that's where it began, but uh, church, it didn't. It didn't. It, di- it did not begin here. Actually, Pentecost is an Old Testament thing. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. I didn't understand it as fully as this. And so for the Old Testament saints, Pentecost was the second major festival um, of the year. And it was also called the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. Um, And so what this was, it was seven weeks beginning on the day after Passover. They would basically count 49 days. And then on that that 50th day, they would launch into a celebration. A celebration called the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. You can find that in Leviticus 23 or Deuteronomy 16. But here, here's, by the way, that's where it got its name. I didn't know this either. But Pentecost means it, it falls the 50th day, right? Well, Penta, 5, 50th. That's where it gets its name because of this. And, and I want to bring out two important things before we actually get to work in our text. Um, some, some context, some background on this. Um, and what I want to do is, is bring out what Pentecost is and what it signifies. First, what it is. You're going to hear this and go, that means nothing to me. That's okay. Follow me. It is an agricultural festival. You're like, woo! Um, and it was called the first fruits. And so what this means is that the people of God, follow with me. We're going to be, we're going to be coming back here. They would bring the first, the first fruits, their first offering of grain before the Lord. They would bake a, bake some bread and, and, and bring this, along with the other offerings, they would bring this before the Lord. And this festival, what it was, is the people of God would bring their first fruits to the Lord of the harvest. The first fruits. That's what it was. And now, what it signified, second important thing that I want to touch on here before we get to our text. For the Jewish people, Pentecost was a reminder of the law of Moses. Of the first covenant the old covenant it was a reminder of that time when god gave them the law we get this from exodus 19 don't worry about going here uh but in exodus 19 if you remember so the people of israel israel left egypt on uh on on passover the day after passover and then in exodus 19 it says that when they arrived in in sinai It was in the third month, if you do the math here, that's the 50th day. I say all of this to say that historically, the Jewish people have looked at this day, Pentecost, as the day they are reminded of God giving them the law. It was a day they were reminded that God gave the law to Moses to them. And so for the people of the Old Testament... Right? The people, the Old Testament saints, this day was marked out and set apart. The reason I say all of this, that you may or may not care about, and I get that. The reason I say this, though, is because this is what the people in Acts 2 were coming to this room with. This is what they were expecting. This is what they were remembering. This is what they were doing. This is what it meant for them in this scene that we're about to read. And and the reason I start with this is because it makes what happens in Acts that much more spectacular when we know what they're stepping into the room with. In our text, I wanna get settled into this scene before I read it. Um, Jesus had just given his life, crucified, Third day, rose from the dead, appeared to many, walked with them, talked with them, showed them his resurrected body. It was just incredible. And then as the book of Acts starts, we have Jesus ascending into heaven, leaving this command to go, to make disciples, telling them to go. Be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to, in all the earth, go. But not only that, Jesus also makes this crazy promise in Acts 1.8. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you're going to go. So here they are, 50 days after Passover, about seven weeks after Jesus' work on the cross, Pentecost was here. They're gathered in together to celebrate Pentecost, just as the Old Testament saints had done throughout history. They're gathered to remember the law that was given to them by God and to remember the first fruits. And this is where we get to our text today. In Acts 2. So let me read this to us and then we will unpack. Acts 2, verse 1 When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all those, all these who are speaking Galileans? verse 8, how is it now that we hear each one of us in our own language, in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the other parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. In other words, all over the place. Both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and um, Arabians. We hear them Telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And I got to throw verse 13 in there too. But others mocked. (laughs) said they are filled with some new wine. We'll get to that in a bit. But what a moment this was. What an incredible moment this was. I wish, this is one of those moments I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there to see this, to see the power of God displayed like this. More than that, to see God's promises fulfilled in this moment. What a moment this was. Here's what I want us to do today with the time we have. So we're going to look at this, and we are going to see four things that we see at Pentecost. Four things. We're going to look at four things that we see here at Pentecost, and we're going to take them one by one. Okay? You ready? We were, that was not enthusiastic, but I felt, I felt it. All right, here we go. We're gonna start with number one. Number one, what we see in this is we see the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. On Pentecost, we see the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean by this. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes this promise. He makes this promise that he's gonna send his Holy Spirit to dwell in us and with us. And he promises this again and again. Again, and then again. I, in fact, I'm going to bring out just a few. Just a few. Not all, just a few. Let's look at John's gospel here. This is John fourteen sixteen through 17. Um, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor hears him, you know, for he dwells with you. And then listen to this and will be in you. Later down, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said. Another text, Jesus, listen to what he claims here in John sixteen-seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper's not gonna come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you hear the claims? Do you hear the promises that God is making, that Jesus is making? One more, uh, One more. this is from Luke's gospel. This is right after his death. This is right after his resurrection. This is when Jesus appears to the disciples and he's teaching them. Listen to what he says in verse or Luke 24, 46. He says, thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then listen to what he says. You, well, I took it off the screen for you, so sorry about that. Um, he says, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from high. How amazing is this? It's the promise of God. And so Jesus is so clear on on these things. He's clear on the fact that he has a job to do. He's gonna die and he's gonna rise. He's clear on the fact that he needed to go. He's clear on the fact that he was gonna send the spirit and he's clear that it's actually gonna be to our good that he does this. It's just unbelievable the promises he lays out here. And I wanna push this just a little bit Think about this, of all the days that God could have chosen to fulfill this promise. Of all the days that God could have chosen to send his spirit to make good on this promise, church, he chose this day, Pentecost. Why? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why this day? Why this day? I want us to think for a moment again of what it would have meant for the people here in this room. For the Jewish people, if you remember, what was Pentecost to them? It was remembering two things. One, it was all about that harvest and the first fruits. And two, it was all about remembering the law of Moses, right? So I want to take those one at a time. Let's look at that first one real quick. For the Old Testament saints, remember, it was about the people of God coming with their first fruits to God. It was all about them bringing their first fruits, their offerings to God and offering it to him. And I don't want you to miss this. I'm gonna geek out for a second. I hope that I'm not the only one geeking out about this. Hopefully it's not just me. But God, in this day, he chooses to fulfill his promise and flip the festival of Pentecost on its head. Follow with me here. On the day of Pentecost, instead of the people of God bringing their first fruits of grain before the Lord, God just flips it on its head and God gives his first fruit of the Holy Spirit to them. Flips it on its head. Flips it on its head. I want us to take this in. There's a theologian named Chad Bird and he says this really, really well. He says, by offering to God the first fruits of grain, the believer bore witness that the whole field and crop belonged to God, whose continued blessing was requested through the sacrifice itself. In other words, what it meant for them is that this all belongs to you and by the way, God, we need you. Similarly, he says, Christ places the spirit within the believer as a pledge that the whole person, body and soul, belongs to him. And get this, He will continue to care for that person in whom the first fruit of the spirit is present until the full harvest, as it were, of the resurrection of the flesh. Church, on the day of Pentecost, our first fruits of grain give way to God's first fruit of his spirit. Flips it on its head. What a promise this is. It reminds us that he who started a good work is faithful and will be faithful to complete it. That's what this reminds us. So before we consider what it means for us to be empowered and indwelled, which we'll get there, what it means for us as the mission of the church, we're gonna get there, but before we get any to any of that, we need to see what our God has done, what he has demonstrated here in Pentecost the sending of his spirit. Paul says this really well in, in Ephesians 1.13. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation believed in him. Listen, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Church, that is first fruit language. That is first fruit language. We start looking at the day of Pentecost. We need to start off by looking at the God of Pentecost who sent his Holy Spirit as the first fruit of his work in his people's lives. Um. Paul says it here that you're saved, you're sealed, you're sanctified, you're guaranteed by the Spirit. And then again, I'm just going to say this again, he who began that good work will be faithful to complete it. And that is what the day of Pentecost reminds us. It is the Holy Spirit guarantees that all that it means for you to have salvation in Jesus, all of that, the Holy Spirit is the one who guarantees that that is all yours until that day when you are resurrected and see him face to face. What we have in Pentecost is the first fruit of that. And God could have chosen any day to pour out his spirit on his people, but he chose this day, Pentecost, because today, Pentecost Sunday, first and foremost is about the work that your God has done. The work that your God has done, the promises that your God has made, the promise that he fulfilled through the Holy Spirit, the first fruit of the work of God. That is what Pentecost is. And that's why that moment in our text in verse four, when when he says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that's why this was so powerful. Because this was the moment when when God fulfilled his promise to send the Holy Spirit. And church, this morning you live in that reality. You live in that reality. That promise is yours. We live in a moment in time when the Old Testament saints would have given their lives to experience what you experience. In Christ, by the grace of God, through faith in him, this is your reality. You are saved, convicted by the Holy Spirit. You are saved by him, sanctified by him, but never forget, church, you are sealed by him, and the Holy Spirit is actually the guarantee that all that is Christ is yours as his children. In other words, I love this because Pentecost reminds us it's all about him and not about us. I love this because it reminds us that we are saved by God and we are kept by God. That he who started that work will complete it and we will be perfected by God on that day. That is the promise of God that we have in Jesus and, and Pentecost is about the first fruit of that promise coming to bear in our lives. This is what we celebrate on Pentecost. But it's not only that, we also celebrate on, the, on Pentecost, we also see the work of Christ, the work of Christ. Now, looking back, remember I said it was two things for the Old Testament saints. It was the first fruit stuff, which we talked about, but it was also this time when they remembered the covenant that was given to them by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. And here is where we see again that Jesus, that we, he takes Pentecost and flips it upside down. Because, because here's, here's the thing. On this day, Pentecost, the, the, the saints were gathered together to celebrate the old covenant that they were given, the law. They were gathered to celebrate the giving of that covenant. And what happened? Jesus flips this upside down, and this moment, the day of Pentecost, becomes this moment where they now celebrate the start of the new covenant when, when Jesus fulfilled all of the law. It's a flipping on its head. See, see, it's the, in other words, it's the, the same law that was given to them in the Old Testament, the old covenant, here in this moment at Pentecost, was now being fulfilled in Jesus the new covenant, this is what Pentecost is. And it reminds me of Luke's, what Jesus said in Luke's gospel when he says to them, these are my words, I spoke to you, while I was with you. And he says, everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. This is Jesus opening minds, blowing minds, teaching scripture and showing church that he is the fulfillment of the law. I want to finish out Chad's quote that I, I don't know him. I'm going to call him Chad. Um, I'm going to finish out his quote that I started earlier. He says, this new covenant was prophesied by Jeremiah, established by Jesus at the Last Supper, and preached by the apostles at the pouring out of the Spirit in Acts 2. And then listen to this. Christ laid upon the listeners, not the 10 words or 10 commandments for them to fulfill or do, Rather, he proclaimed the fulfillment of the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms in himself. How beautiful is that? This is what we celebrate and what we think back to in Pentecost. In Pentecost, we are reminded that Jesus did what we could not do. We are reminded that he lived the life we could not live, that he... He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it perfectly and completely. And on Pentecost Sunday, church, this morning, we come together and we are reminded of the work of Jesus, that he is our righteousness and our only claim to righteousness, and that we are declared righteous by grace through faith in Jesus. On Pentecost Sunday, we are reminded that Jesus is perfect and he's making us perfect through his spirit. And one day we will see him face to face. I want to move to our next one. So we've seen, we've been reminded of the fulfilled promise of the Holy Spirit. We've been reminded of the work of Jesus. Third, in Pentecost, on Pentecost, we see the glory of the Father. I don't want us to miss the craziness of this scene. So if you look at what's going on in this text, we have a large number of people gathering in one place, verse one. We see a crazy sound rushing in like wind and filling the whole place. That's verse two. We see crazy tongues of fire. What? Appearing and resting on people, verse three. And for the kicker, we have people that are speaking out in a multitude of different languages, speaking intelligently in languages that they didn't previously know. It's insane. And people from all over the place were hearing their own languages and understanding. This is insane. This is crazy. And this is verses six through 13. I bring this up because this was a wild scene. A crazy scene. And in the midst of this craziness, on the day of Pentecost that we see in our text, we see this moment of great confusion and chaos and wild give way to the proclamation of the glory of God. Notice in verse 11, when people from all over are hearing their different languages, what do they say? They say, we hear them telling in our own tongues what? What? The mighty works of God. Listen, they could have been saying a lot of things. I mean, there was some crazy stuff going on there. They could be doing some bragging here. They could be telling stories of how great they are, but they weren't. They were telling stories of how great God is and about his works. And it left them, in our text, it says, amazed and perplexed. And what God did is he took this moment of confusion where people looked and they were amazed and they said, Are they drunk? And, and what he did is he caused them to look up to see his works and his greatness. And later in our text, thousands repent and are drawn to Christ. In other words, it's not about what they were doing, how good they were, anything about them at all, church. In this moment, it was all about the goodness of God, his grace, his plan, and his glory. God was drawing people to himself for his glory here. And that is what Pentecost, this day, is all about. Not to us, but to him be all the glory. Church, um, on the day of Pentecost, in this moment, we are reminded, as, uh, as Bishop preached last week, and it, should clarify. Uh, Bishop is his last name. Justin Bishop is an elder here. I'm not saying we have bishops. Anyway, um, Bishop did a fantastic job preaching last week about the glory of God and, and, and that all of this is for the glory of God. We see that here again on display in Acts 2. All of this, we see God receiving glory for what he is doing. And I want you to hear me. Whatever good things that we see God doing, Whatever good thing that he accomplishes, any miracle or wonder that we see in our life, any miracle or wonder that we see in our church, any in every life that is saved and that is changed, that is because of the goodness and the power of, the, of our God and to him be all glory. All glory. I, I believe that at the heart of every sin, at the heart of pride itself, is our desire to try to steal the glory of God from him. To just snatch a little bit of that. And and it's easy to do it, and it's easy to do it even in the name of Jesus. I think we can do this really easily as individuals. I think it's really easy for us to do this as a church. To say, these people are coming to know Jesus, all these great things are happening, what are we doing right? At the heart of this is 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 a... seeking to steal the glory of God. But what I love about Pentecost morning in this text is that this is an absolutely crazy scene where none of these people could take any credit for anything that was going on. Nothing. I can't fake to you and start speaking in Portuguese. I can't. If I start speaking in Portuguese right now, that's God. That's not me. And right here in this moment, these people were all just displaying the wonder of God in a way that pointed away from them. God help us. If everything we do for Jesus, we point to us and say, look how good we are. They pointed it away from them and to God himself. And in fact, we don't have time to get here, but if you look at the sermon that Peter's about to preach after this, hmm all he does is just kind of rebuke them and say, come to Jesus. That's it. There's no glory here for any of them. It's the glory is to God. Um, listen, everything that we see God doing in our midst, everything, we cannot take credit for that in any, in any way just as they didn't take credit for it here. See, on the day of Pentecost, this great moment, moment of confusion and chaos and are they drunk All of that gets honed in to give glory to God for his works and what he is doing and saving thousands. And so what we've seen so far, we've seen on the day of Pentecost, we've seen the fulfilled promise of the Holy Spirit. Second, we've seen the work of Jesus. Third, we've seen the glory of the Father. And then lastly for us, the fourth one that I want us to see, and this is probably the one you are expecting to see here, is on Pentecost, we see the mission of the church. The mission of the church. So, I, I want you to hear me here on Pentecost. What I what I see happening in this text, especially as you zoom out, is you see fear, scarcity, and exclusivity kind of give way to this bold multinational mission of disciple multiplication. It's a lot of words. I'm going to unpack these. So, this. I mean. What happened to these people here? And, and what happened is the Holy Spirit happened. And what we see when that happened is, is, when I say fear, what I mean by fear is, can you imagine being in their shoes, not knowing what your future is going to be, that Jesus who you dedicated yourself to, it, he, he died and then rose and now he's not here And he told me to go and that I should be expecting someone and what is happening. There's a fear in that. Jesus is no longer here. What's going to happen? Also, the feeling of scarcity. I don't know if you've ever felt that one. Where we are few in number and we have few resources. Even their sense of exclusivity, the fact that this was a Jewish movement. And that our God is the God of the Jewish people. All of that, fear, scarcity, this kind of exclusivity, here in this moment, we see it break. And we see this bold, multinational mission of disciple multiplication in exactly the same way Jesus said it would happen. Now, I'm not saying that all of them just got up and started going. They didn't. They had to get persecution to kick them out of the house. But... The power came here. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, on you, and you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The coolest thing about that text, church, is that he meant it. He actually meant it. And so God meets them right where they are in all of their fear, in their scarcity, in all of their exclusivity. He meets them there and transforms them into this glorious, bold, multinational mission of disciple multiplication. And in the years that would follow this moment, as I said, not right away, they had to get kicked a little bit and persecution had to push them out of the house. But in the years that would follow this moment, the disciples of Jesus would take the gospel of Jesus to the the ends of the known world. And I need, you are here today. I am here, we are here today in 2022, and north central San Antonio, Texas, the other side of the world, because the disciples of Jesus took the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. We are here because of Pentecost Sunday. We are here. Often it spread, like I said, through persecution and trials. God has a way of fanning flames, taking what the enemy means for evil and fanning the flame of the gospel spreading through persecution, and he did that. Often it spread because a a man or a woman would choose to go in obedience. Often it would spread because of the most difficult and weird circumstances, but here's the deal. It spread, and it spread, and it spread, and it spread, and we're here today because it spread, because of what God did on the day of Pentecost. Churches were planted, disciples were made. We are here today because of the work that God did in Acts 2 as God promised that his Holy Spirit would be sent, and here we see that the Holy Spirit was sent and dwelled, empowered us through the work of Jesus for the glory of God to be on mission as the people of God. That is what we celebrate, and that is what we remember on this Sunday. That's why it matters so much. If you look at this, as we put all this together, we remember, first and foremost, we're not alone that you are indwelled by the Spirit of God, the promised Holy Spirit in your life. That's what this Sunday is about, Pentecost Sunday. That's first and foremost. Two, we remember the work of Jesus who accomplished it all, who perfectly fulfilled all of the law because you couldn't do it. We remember that this morning on Pentecost Sunday. And we remember that all of this is for the glory of God. We remember that. And finally, we need to remember, we must remember, you are called for a purpose and a mission, that your life has a purpose, and it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you getting yours and being happy, and it's bigger than you. You are called into something bigger than yourself. You are called to link arms with all of the saints who have gone before you and all of your brothers and sisters who are sitting beside you and around you. This is the Pentecost mission that Jesus has given us together and it's still going forward today. Brother and sister, you are not a spectator to the mission of Jesus. Because of what God did at Pentecost, you are empowered, equipped, and dwelled to be bold on this multinational mission of disciple multiplication. In other words, you are not a spectator of the mission of Jesus. By the grace and power of God, you are a participant in the mission of Jesus. And I wanna end with this um, today. Pentecost Sunday gives us so much to remember, so much to celebrate. It's a special Sunday. Um, But for us, it's also a special week because it's something that we call uh, Multiplication Sunday. Um, We are a church, we are part of of the EFCA. If you don't know who that is, that's okay. Uh, it stands for the Evangelical Free Church of America. What that is, is it's a network of churches who share a simple mission statement together. And this mission statement that I'm about to show you is the reason that we chose to partner and network with the EFCA as a church plant. The EFCA exists To glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. So this means that our mission as a church in connection with all of the other churches is to multiply churches. So in the last 20 years, take this in, 651 churches have been planted. 651 churches, by the grace of God, have been planted. It's incredible to see the work, though, is not done I've said this before, I will say this again and again and again and again and again that I believe the most effective strategy for spreading the gospel and reaching those who do not know Jesus and reaching all people and all people groups is through church planting. That is our mission strategy, whether it be here or abroad. And so here's why I bring this up. As an EFCA church, we celebrate this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, as, again, Multiplication Sunday. And and what this means is that all across our nation right now, in churches all across our nation right now, um, we are coming together in our mission for our mission to start more churches. Churches. This is what we're involved in. And so this morning, as we look back at the history of the church, as we look back at Acts 2, we saw the initial spread of the gospel on Pentecost Sunday. Um, church, together, we also look to the future, a future of more churches across the country proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who do not yet know him. And as a, at Stone Oak Bible Church, you may already know this, but we are a church-planting church, planting church. Um, we, we've planted a church out of our church already. We're in the process of planting out again, and we've also started a new work in Spanish. And um, I know I personally am involved in coaching and assessing and training church planters. Craig... And I and Dan, one of our elders, have served on the boards of many church plants throughout our community. Um, I say all this to say that we as a church, as church leadership, are, are all in committed to church planting. But here's the thing. The reason this Sunday is so special, Multiplication Sunday is so special, is because this is not just a spectator sport. That that this is a call to partner together. In intentional and unified prayer. And so today, this morning, with all of the churches across our nation, EFCA churches, uh, we are going to join together in prayer. For multiplication to continue. uh, That Pentecost mission would continue in and through us. And so this morning we're going to pray for ten things, okay? Um, Ten things, and and I'll walk through them before we pray. Um, A prayer for the ministry and leadership of church planning within the EFCA Second, to pray for church plants, specifically in Texas, and we do have one Oklahomian in here. So this right here shows all of our current planters. They're either, in the current, they're either in the early stages of the plant, not quite out of the church planting stage, or they have not yet planted at all. Again, we have one Oklahomian in this, but most of these are from San Antonio area, Austin area, Houston area, or Dallas area. We need to pray for these brothers and sisters and these families. You notice on here we see uh, the beautiful Hody family that is listed on here as well um, because they are a part of this. We see on the top row Mike and Ariel Craft and their beautiful family who were our first planters. Um, We need to pray for them. And along with this is pray for more To pray for more churches and more planters who would go and plant. To pray for more would come to know Jesus. To to pray for more disciples to be made and multiplied. Um, To pray for north central San Antonio specifically and our role in advancing the kingdom here. I brought them up, but to pray for Mike and Ariel Craft in Mission Community Church on the west side of our city. And we would pray that the Lord would use them. To pray for Paul and jo- Jolene Hody at Disciple Community Church. To pray for uh, Pastor Luis, not here joining us ho- hopefully online, but in our Spanish ministry here at Stone Oak. Um, to pray for people to continue to go to the unreached people groups with the gospel of Jesus. And so here's what I want to do. We're going to end in a little bit of a different way. Uh but this is Pentecost Sunday, so we can we can end differently. All right, I want to invite you. Would you join in standing? Paul is here, so we can at least have him up here as we pray. Um, But I would love for us to just pray for these things, to join with the churches across our community right now who are committing to starting new works for the glory of God.